Turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Scripture says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, or dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And the first declaration that is stated there is who we are. And who are we? We are God's chosen people. And what are we? We are holy and dearly loved. And as holy and dearly loved people, we are to dress appropriately. With compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, between your dreams and uh, our, our daily life, we have, we have uh, trials, temptations, testings, difficulties, joys, happiness, things coming together well. I mean, we have all of life coming in, in, that, in that sandwich of things. And we know that, now some of us, and I've, I've stated before that um, I don't like to take tests, you know. And, and I, I, I was going to say that again today, but I decided I wouldn't say that. Because some people might get picked that up as, you know, something that you should do is not like tests. Now, there are some people who like school and like tests. Rhonda, Linda, you know, <laughs> Paula, you know, the school teachers, you know, and other school, if I miss someone, did I miss anybody? Pardon? Jen, 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 yeah, I miss Jen, sorry, Jen, sorry, you know, I just, you know, that's why I'm not a school teacher, because I miss kids and miss people, and, you know, I, they'd throw me out, there'd be 10 kids missing from a classroom, and I wouldn't know it, but, uh, you know, there are teachers, and teachers love education, and they love, generally love kids, you know, and they take tests well, or you wouldn't have completed all your education, and completed your um, Degrees and you know Rhonda, she does very well at tests. Um, I know these classes that I'm taking online. I listen to the lectures. I outline the lectures. I outline the book. I do all of this, and this isn't being recorded, is it? Be used against. It's being recorded. Oh, full report. Um, sometimes <laughs> Rhonda helps me on the tests. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, and uh, she doesn't have to study, she doesn't have to look at the lecture, she doesn't have to do anything, and she says, well, it's probably, you know, and she goes through, it's right here, it's like, oh my gosh, geez. and I'm searching through the book, you know, because you have an hour and a half, this last class, you had an hour and a half to take the test, and it would seem like any, what's that? It is an open book, yeah, it's an open book test, okay, and, and, and you know, uh, I'm, I've studied it, I've done it all, I've outlined it, I've spent hours in preparation. She comes in, sits down, and says, here's the answer. This just drives me insane, you know? And so if you have that ability, don't knock it, you know? It's a good thing. So people, you know, it, tests are not, tests depend on the individual, just like stress. Stress is something that everyone feels, it's just some people feel it differently, and the idea is it's that if we deal with obstacles and we deal with problems and we deal with them on a continual basis, they become something that is normal. 
I've often thought, you know, we look at our schedules and we look at people and we say, well, you know, some people look at their schedule and they say it's full and they go to another person, their schedule's full and you go to another person and their schedule's full and one person is a housewife, another person is a, you know, works in a factory and another one is a, you know, CEO of an organization, you know, that over thousands of people and they all say their schedule's full. You know, it's, it's a perspective thing. So whenever, we, um, so whenever we look at how the, our, our perspective about ourselves and about uh, what's going on in our life, we have to put it in a balance of what God sees in us and what God places in us as opportunities to be able to live our life and to live it to its fullest. You know, for myself, I'm, you know, I'm not good at taking tests, but perhaps that's why I strive to present the Word of God in a connected manner. I try to preach in a way that, you know, things make sense and that hopefully that we can follow them from point A to B to C to D and, you know, come to a conclusion. Because I know that if I can't follow it, maybe you won't either. So I try to keep it, this KISS principle. Do you know what the KISS principle is? Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah? So I try to follow some principles, and uh, in the presentation, we try to present the truth of the Word of God, you know, put together with the truth of our life, and so that the two of them can come together and make sense. And that even when it doesn't make sense, that that's where the bridge of faith comes in, that we're able to connect our faith in God and putting this together in our life. And so the reality of the Word touches the reality of our life. We have two very real worlds that we live in. We live in the world of faith. It is a very real world. And we live in everyday life. It is a very real world. And it is when the two of them come together, we find the realities of truth that enable us to face obstacles and deal with them in a place of hope and of confidence, whether it's dealing with everyday issues or whether it's dealing with life and death. We have the ability to look at it and deal with it in a way that has a spiritual perspective. So the reality of the word and the reality of life. Connecting the dots. Connecting the dots in a way that makes sense. So faith will be tested. Our faith is going to be tested. And we're going to have to maintain our faith in difficult times and in difficult environment. And the focus moves from events and circumstances. And the, and, and the, the faith moves from events and circumstances to what is the spirit inside of us. To that spirit inside of us. And I, I came across this quote that says, I think most of us are looking for a calling and not a job. Most of us, like the assembly line worker, have jobs that are too small for our spirits. Jobs that are not big enough for people. Being discontent is not a bad thing. Godliness with contentment is great gain, the scripture says. So what's going on is that it isn't like, don't quit your job. That's not what I'm saying. That the idea is that for the spirit inside of us is greater than the, the enclosure that we find ourselves in. That God has a way of telling us to break down the boundaries, break down the barriers, to, that we are to escape the prison that we have put ourselves in. And prisons are uh, walls that we build to protect ourselves. There are security blankets, there are walls of security that we build ourselves to protect ourselves that end up becoming our own prisons. So, you know, they were talking about in Florida, um, these exotic animals have 
kind of, you know, people have bought, there was this big rash of people buying exotic snakes and animals and so on, the pythons. Did you see that on uh, whatever Weather Channel or something, that there was this factory, you know, this place that was raising and breeding exotic animals and it got wiped out in the uh, storm? Now there are all these pythons and exotic snakes loose in the Everglades. They are putting out this call. These are not natural to this environment. They have been introduced from someplace else, and they are going to create havoc in the, uh, in the Everglades because of their disruption of the natural order of things. Well, I've never been snagged by a python. A python doesn't have venom. What does it do? It squeezes you. Do you ever feel squeezed in your spirit? Something that is not natural to your environment is putting the squeeze on you. <laughs> and that's, that's the enemy of our soul trying to make sure we don't get out or get too big or expect too much or challenge us, you know, trying to constrict us so that the life of the Spirit, the breath of life that God has given us, is somehow constricted so that we put limitations upon what we can become in a spiritual manner, in a spiritual life, in a godly life. And this is why, as we look at the Scriptures, what are we supposed to do? As God's chosen people, we, we are His chosen individual. You know, God chose us. You didn't, he didn't cho- we didn't choose Him, He chose us. He called us by name, and we heard that call. And that we responded to that call. It is not the will of God that any should be lost, but all should come to repentance. It is God's will that the entire world be saved. That the entire world come to church. We don't have enough room, God. He does. <laughs> we build bigger churches, you know. But we have to have a bigger spirit. You see... We make trades and bargains with our spirit to hold it in check, to limit the size we feel that we can achieve. A few weeks ago, I read a quote that says that we are, mankind, you know, our own human logic says that we will, we, will, we will restrict our beliefs to what we can create. And that's really been something that's been, you know, just kind of going over and over in my head. We will restrict our beliefs to what we feel we can create. Now, and a human, that's a human perspective. That's not a biblical perspective. That's a human perspective. Uh, and so we, we look at our life, and we look at what we can do, and we try to build our life around what we can do. And God is trying to influence us by his spirit to recognize what he can do in our life. It doesn't mean we have to change locations and change jobs or anything. It means that we have to look at the, at the boundaries that we have placed on ourselves by our own limitations. We look at the boundaries that we have placed on ourselves by our own limitations. And we look at them and we say, well, I'm just this. Well, how does God look at just that? And how does God and His Spirit look at just that part of us? You see... Your thoughts will lead your actions. (laughs) Your thoughts will lead your actions. There's a direct correlation between what I think about myself and the way my life goes. So, Proverbs 23, 7, For as he thinketh in his heart, so he is. 
The Message Bible says, He will be as stingy with you as he is with himself. As a man thinks in his heart, so he is. And it says that the man will be as stingy with you as he is with himself. And whenever we look at our thoughts leading us, we are looking mostly at the stinginess. Anybody know somebody who's stingy? Don't go looking at each other. I'm in trouble now. There's supposed to be somebody outside the church that's stingy. <laughs> Not somebody here, you know. Stingy, those people outside, those who are, 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 are you know, misers and whatever, you know, those who stingy people are. So there is a direct correlation between what I think about myself and the way life goes. If that, in, that is a true statement, because, so that if, in that, if, with the truth of that statement, then we must control how we talk to ourselves. We must control how we talk to ourselves. Don't be stingy with who you are. You know? I like to dream about John Deere tractors and cars. <laughs> I took Rhonda to see one of my dreams. It was green. Yeah, imagine that. And how do you ever expect to pay for that? <laughs> Not that we would be stingy or anything. <laughs> but, no, we can't afford it. But that's beside the point. But it doesn't mean we can't dream. But the idea is, and, and see, it's not about challenging because it isn't my challenging her to believe my dreams. It's me challenging me to be able to be capable of achieving those dreams. I can't blame somebody else for the, dream, for my, the failures of my dreams. I can't blame somebody else for the failure of my dreams. Because if God has given you your dreams, no one on earth can take them from you. What do you tell yourself? How do you build your faith? You see, God is in charge. And that's a place of security. That's a place of security, knowing that God is in charge. And God it has a way of working all things together for good, to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God sits up one and he takes down another. So look at it as, a, as God's divine providence in charge of your life. And the plan is, and, and there's a plan and there is a purpose behind the life that we live because there is a creator of the universe who knew us when we were yet in our mother's womb and formed us and gave us hopes and dreams and personalities and whatever we are has been put there. Now what are we going to do with it? How are we going to be inspired by it? Habakkuk, a few weeks ago, we spoke about uh, Habakkuk 2.3. He had a vision that will surely come. The vision is for an appointed time. Because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it's not going to. It means that there is a process that we have to go through as change and development. Our faith will be tested. You know? Joseph's one of, my, one of my favorite characters. And, you know, I often refer to Joseph. His faith was tested. He had to stand alone in a well where his brothers threw him. He had to survive as a slave in a foreign country. He had to be patient with his dreams because they weren't going to happen quickly. And there were all the circumstances that he surrounded himself with out of no choice of his own said it would never happen. His strength was tested from a pit to Egypt to Potiphar's house to prison. His focus was tested. His family 
doubted his dreams. Those closest to him resented him. Those whom he trusted falsely accused him. If he would have been fixated on his difficulties, it would have produced disillusionment. But Joseph found that in himself and in his dreams there was something there and there was a readiness. And are we ready to do for the change? If Joseph had kept negativity and depression and loneliness, we'd have never, we'd have never heard of him. He'd have just been another forgotten slave in Egypt. But he had a dream that wouldn't allow himself to die. He had a dream that wouldn't allow himself to die. And these are the, the, the dreams that would be in alive inside of us that are birthed in the Spirit of God. Joseph would have been blind to the opportunities that slavery held for him. He would have been blind for the opportunity that prison held for him. You see, Joseph had to argue with the negative. He had to argue with the negative. We argue with the positive. <laughs> But when our, when our dreams are there and the promises are there, we've got to argue with the negative. We've got to argue with the destroyers of our faith, the little foxes that destroy the vine, Scripture calls them. We've got to, keep, we've got to argue with the promises against the negativity and against the disillusionment and against the failures of life because we've got to see God is in charge and God has a purpose and God will work things out in our life. So we've got to argue with the negativity. Argue with it from a spiritual perspective that says, my spirit is of God and my, the birth of my dreams is something that God has done for me. He's given them to me. So we must control our self-talk or it will control us. We have beliefs that regulate. Anybody remember this one? What's the difference between a thermostat and a thermometer? One sets the temperature, and the other records it. We have lots of thermometers. We have lots of people who will tell us what the temperature is. It's hot in here. <laughs> Preacher's getting too long-winded. <laughs> Sun's out, won't be long. Well, that's a thermostat. Thermometers, now that's a thermometer. Thermostats set the temperature. Thermostat sets the temperature. Is it going to be hot or cold? If we had air conditioning, we'd turn it on. <laughs> and the thermostat sets the temperature. And you see, our faith and our spirit come together. We set the temperature of our life. We set the expectations. And it's put there by our faith in God. Our belief sets the limits on the use of our potential. Our beliefs set the limits on the use of our potential. If we don't believe, we won't achieve. What do we believe? Who believes that I'll give them a dollar bill? Thank you. Who believes that I'll give them a dollar bill? Thank you. Who believes that I'll give him a dollar bill? Who believes that I'll give him a dollar bill? Who believes that I'll give him a dollar bill? Who believes that I'll give him a dollar bill? Who believes that I will give him a dollar bill? Who come on? Who believes that I'll give him a dollar bill? Who who believes that I'll give him a dollar bill? What happens is, whatever you believe, if it doesn't move you to action, nothing changes. Okay? If your belief doesn't move you to action, nothing changes. 
Now, I've done that story over and over again until it's almost, you know, everybody knows what I'm going to do, you know. But then I thought of, imagine this, thought of something else. When we see our belief in action, when we see belief in action in another person's life, people begin to respond to it. Now, if you wouldn't have been limited by your fears, I'll look foolish, I'll look needy, I wonder he's going to make a fool out of me when I get up there. He's not going to give me a dollar when I get up there. We do all that stuff in our head. What does it do? It keeps us in our seat. That's the very same thing we do with our beliefs about our life and about new opportunities that come our way. But, and this is where each of us, you know I keep saying on Easter Sunday we're going to fill up the place. If people will see your faith in action, they will want to participate in it. And if they see how God is at work in your life to change you, they will want to know how that they can receive the same thing in theirs. Who believes that I all know? <laughs> I ran out of ones. <laughs> but the idea is that when you start seeing something take place in other people's lives, and you see the first thing is to get us in motion. The first thing is to get our belief to motivate us to do something. If we don't change, if we don't act upon our belief, nothing changes. Nothing changes. I don't care how much faith you have. If you don't have enough, if I don't have enough to motivate me to do something, then nothing will ever change. But And then, as you motivate yourself and as you see it happening, you start responding. You, you see a thing happening to somebody else and, well, you know, God did that for them. And you, then the first thing you'll say is, oh, they're special. <laughs> God really likes them and not me. He's going to make a fool. See, the very same thing that keeps you in your seat is the very same thing that keeps you from believing what God is going to do. It's a very simple thing, but yet we, we operate, and that's the fear. Think of, a, think of a, your fear. Why didn't, you know, if I was given, what would, well, what, if I were giving out $100 bills, how many of you would come up? Yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't come up. Because you wouldn't believe that it was really 100 You wouldn't believe that it was real. You wouldn't believe that, you know, he wouldn't give, the pastor wouldn't give away $100. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you need it more than I do. I'm going to leave it you. I'll let you have it. See how we do this? Well, how about if I were giving away a thousand? Oh my gosh, that'd scare me to death. Get out of the seat for a thousand bucks. Does it scare us to death to believe God to do something in our life? We're squeezed. We're in a, we're, we are in our own little prison of safety. What does it take to get us to move? What does it take to help us move? And God is not driving us with a whip. He's calling us. His sheep hear his voice. His sheep hear his voice. God calls to us to move from where we are to where he wants us to be. He, you know, the shepherd leads his sheep. His, the sheep are not driven. You're not driven by God. We are led by the Spirit. God doesn't drive you to read the Scriptures. God doesn't drive you to pray. He leads you. You see, the difference between going to heaven and going to hell... The devil drives people into hell with addictions. God leads us into heaven by his spirit and choice. God says don't do certain things 
because he knows those laws that he gave to us will protect us and provide for us and keep us from addictive behavior that will destroy our life. And so God says, don't do this. Because you do this and it will lead to addictive behavior that will enslave you, put chains on you, bind you, and captivate that spirit that I put inside of you for good. And God comes along and says, I call you by name. I formed you in your mother's womb. I gave you purpose. I gave you plans. I gave you opportunity. I give that to you. Now hear my voice and follow me and do what is right. And I'll give you the strength to do it. I'll empower you. I'll break the chains that bind you. I'll set you free that you might have life and have it abundantly. And we're sitting in the middle thinking, well, which way should I go? Do I have enough faith to move me in a positive direction? Do I have enough faith to believe that the Spirit of God really is speaking to me as he said he would? Oh, pastor, he's only going to give away one dollar again. <laughs> and he gave away two. Where's he going? He gave away three. What's he doing? He never gave three dollars away. He'd give four. Well, four dollars away. I need to get up there. Five? What's he doing now? I'm missing out. I need to get up there. <laughs> and what are we doing? I do. Thoughts accumulate to build beliefs. Thoughts accumulate to build our beliefs. Faith comes by hearing. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. That's why the Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Meaning, you know, having, having a church full on every Sunday is not greed on my part. It's that each of us need to be together to hear the word of God every week. More than every week, you know, once a week. Why? Because it accumulates it accumulates over time. It builds up. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So we, you and I, we increase our faith every time we sit here, every time we hear the word of God, every time we sing the praises and sing the songs. We are building our faith. This isn't just, you know, let's come together and have church. Preacher will take an offering. We've got to put money in the offering, and then he's going to give out a dollar. You know, we put all that money in, he gives back a dollar. You know, what is this? But our faith is something that accumulates. It's something that comes together and makes sense. It's something that comes together and makes sense in our spirit, makes sense in our heart. And when that takes place, then life begins to change. And change brings about change in our life, which has an effect upon other people. It has an effect upon other lives. And it becomes this reality of life. We spoke in Sunday school, did Sunday school this morning, and we talked about how that some people can go through life give their life to Christ just before they die and go to heaven. They get the same reward as the person who was raised in the church. But the difference is this. The person who has been raised and lived the Christian life, not just raised in the church, but lived the Christian life, they are going to have so much greater of an effect upon everyone around them because of how they've affected other people's lives. The one who has lived their life to themselves and for evil may get into heaven, but their influence, godly influence, is gone. But those who live for God every day of their life, from this day forth to the time they die, 
what happens is they have a godly influence upon people's lives. And that is what life is about. Faith comes by hearing. Faith accumulates, um, builds as we hear the word of God. Therefore, as God's chosen people, we have a divine creative spirit alive within us. There are no limits to this spirit. That's why, that's why it's so, so hard sometimes and we feel so limited because the spirit inside of us doesn't know limitations. The spirit of God inside of you doesn't know limitations. We have to put limitations on the spirit of God because we don't think we can be that. We don't think we can create the universe. But we create our universe by the words that we speak. We create the world we live in by the words that we speak. And God is saying, speak the word of truth and of love and of forgiveness and put on these clothes that God has given us as chosen people. We we create our world, we create what's around us by what we say, by what we do. We are creating. Can we create according to the Spirit of God? So as God's chosen people, we want to speak his word in a way that is healing, is restoring, is blessing, is patient, is kind, is soothing, helping. We draw to ourselves what we feel worthy of receiving. We draw to ourselves what we feel worthy of receiving. And you know what? We are not worthy of God, but he makes us worthy by his forgiveness. You know, there's there's an old chorus that says, one touch of the master's hand, one word he has full command. Have faith in what he wants to do. That's all he asks of you. He's not asking for us to do the impossible. He's asking for us to do what is birthed in our heart. What's the scripture say? Our text. So God has chosen you. What has he chosen you? As God's chosen people, we are holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourself with compassion. Compass comes from compassion. When do we need, you know, compass is in the word compassion. And compassion gives us a compass to have a sense of direction. So clothe yourself with a sense of direction. Kindness is of the same kind. We are of the same kind as God. We have a compass that is in our compassion. We are of the same kind as God. Kindness. Humility a spirit of submission to God. Gentleness, we are free from harshness. And patience, bearing pains and trials calmly and without complaint because we know that God is in charge. And as we look for order in our mind and in our faith, we find it as his child. Who are we? We are God's chosen people. What are we? We are holy and we are loved. 
Are you holy and loved? In God's eyes, yes. So if you feel squeezed, (laughs) get rid of it. Your spirit is greater than the limitations that you put on it. With God, there are no limitations. He just has to bring us to the point that we can move into them. Amen? Give somebody a hug, handshake, bless them.